I'm Dave Breckenridge, and you're listening to 10-3. It has been nine months since the horrific crash between a semi-trailer and a bus carrying players and personnel from the Humboldt Broncos hockey team. On April 6, 2018, the driver of the semi failed to yield at a stop sign along a Saskatchewan highway and hit the team's bus, killing 16 and injuring 13. Now, nine months later, the driver of the truck has owned up for his actions, pleading guilty to all charges. We look at why he pleaded guilty, what the reaction has been, and what penalty he could be facing. It's Thursday, January 10th. Before we get to our conversation, I want to let you know that this year, in addition to bringing you a deeper look at major stories, we'll also be highlighting journalism that is original to our newsrooms, and we want to make sure you don't miss an episode. So if you're listening on a web browser, head over to Apple Podcasts and click subscribe to get the best stories in Canada right in your feed. Jaskarat Singh Sidhu stood up in court on Tuesday and said five words, I am guilty, your honor. Bree McAdam covers justice for the Saskatoon star Phoenix. Bree, what is it that Sidhu pleaded guilty to? He entered guilty pleas to 29 charges. So 16 of those uh, counts were dangerous driving causing death and 13 of the counts were dangerous driving causing bodily harm. So he pleaded guilty to every charge that he faced uh, initially. Was this just a standard court appearance that he was there for? Was it, what was he slated to be in court for on Tuesday? Well, Sidhu had been making several court appearances over the last um, approximately eight months. So his first appearance was in July of last year. And this was his seventh appearance, although uh, after he was given bail, he didn't actually have to physically appear in court every time. So it was only his second physical appearance in court. However, leading up to the... um, to the appearance, uh, it had actually been set over for election several times. So that's uh, allowing an accused to choose a mode of trial. Um, Instead, he showed up on Tuesday with his new lawyer, that's Saskatoon lawyer Mark Brayford, and he pleaded guilty. So um, I think to the general public, it it was a surprise. It uh, it wasn't um, made public that the guilty plea was coming, but that often is how it goes in court. So the the public seems surprised by it. Uh, Do we get the sense that uh, family was surprised? I think we got the sense that family was relieved and that was kind of the more overall theme. I mean, there was uh, one father who who was there that day, so he must have gotten some kind of either heads up or or a feeling that something would happen. I mean, a lot of people would just kind of show up to court each time in anticipation that he might be pleading guilty. Um, you know, the big question was, is he going to take this to trial or is he going to plead out? Um, so I, I can't really speak for the families uh, on that one, but it did seem to be kind of a mixed of of maybe relief and surprise. So why do you think that he decided at this point to say, I'm not going to go to trial, I'm not going to uh, take this further, um, I'm just going to get it out of the way and plead guilty? So if you read the stories and watch the video, and, and Post Media did have a reporter in Melfort on Tuesday, um, you can see that outside court, um, Sidhu's lawyer, Mark Brayford, indicated that his client wanted to plead guilty because he didn't want to drag the victim's families through a trial and and make things any worse. Um, he also indicated through his lawyer that he wanted the victim's families to know that he's, quote, devastated by the grief he's caused them. And then uh, he actually thanked those who have reached out to him despite that grief. So it was a very interesting glimpse into an aspect of forgiveness that we're already seeing. And it's only nine months after the crash. 
And you were saying that there was one uh, parent, one family member who was in court, spoke outside of the courtroom uh, in a courthouse in Melfort. What has been the reaction to this plea? Uh, you, you mentioned a sense of relief. Is that the general consensus among family members and, and people connected to the Humboldt Broncos? I think it's a theme, um, but there were kind of a wide range of reactions. I mean, I'd say by far the most moving one came from uh, one of the deceased player's father, Scott Thompson, who was in Melfort, and uh, Scott Thomas, rather. And um, he teared up when describing how powerful it was to hear the driver of that semi say, I plead guilty, Your Honor. To hear him use his own words to plead guilty, it's powerful. He also acknowledged that no sentence is going to bring his son Evan back and that both him and Sadhu have to spend the rest of their lives carrying this burden. Um, Other families said they were relieved by the pleas, like we've talked about earlier. Um, And Humboldt's mayor and the Broncos president actually mentioned how this will hopefully be another step towards closure and healing. Maybe it was a bit of a surprise, but um, I think... uh, you know, it's it's allowed uh, justice to take its course now, and uh, and we'll leave you know that part of it to the courts as to you know with the sentencing and that type of thing. So, some acknowledged how this tragedy must have affected Sidhu and actually commended him for taking responsibility. So it was a wide kind of range, um, but I would say anger didn't necessarily seem to crop up in any of the reactions that uh, we gathered that day. Yeah, you know, I get the sense, having followed the coverage of this since the the crash last year, that the the families are just hoping to find some sort of closure. I I mean, it's it's not like it was a premeditated crime. It, like, Sadu didn't set out that day to go and run his truck into a bus. I I know that there's probably anger at losing a loved one, but at the same time. Uh, that carrying that grief and and that frustration for so long can can be harmful to people as well. Um, What are the next steps here? I assume there would have to be uh, sentencing submissions and potentially even victim impact statements um, given in court uh, before we see what kind of sentence that Sidhu could expect. Right. So before a sentence is handed down, there has to be a sentencing hearing. And that's actually scheduled for the end of this month, January 28th. And the Crown has indicated it will potentially take five days just because there will be so much information and victim impact statements that will be heard in a case like this. Um, and for those who don't know, sentencing hearings can either include an agreed upon joint submission, which is a sentence that both the Crown and defense present to the judge to either reject or accept, or it can have sentencing arguments, which means the Crown and defense disagree on the appropriate sentence and provide case law and reasoning for their positions. Um, at this point, you know, I've talked to a few lawyers and there's really no indication which way that will go. And like you mentioned, other things that will happen during the sentencing process is that we will we will hear uh, the facts of the case. So what exactly led to this fatal crash? Um, and it's a document that lawyers will be cobbling together probably as we speak. Um, and it will also be a time for victim impact statements. So that opportunity for those affected by the tragedy to speak to the court and to Sadhu himself. Now, it's not often you see a, a dangerous driving causing death or injury case involving this many charges, this kind of crash involving so many victims is quite rare. What kind of sentence could Sadhu be facing for so many counts? 
That's the big kind of million dollar question right now. Prison time will be likely. The tough thing about sentencing in a case like this involving so many deaths from one incident, you know, it wasn't like it was several crashes, is that we don't really have precedent for something like this. So a lot of times lawyers will look to case law to see, well, what have we done in a similar case with similar facts? But I mean, the lawyers I spoke to said the dangerous driving uh, causing death cases in Saskatchewan are generally between two and four people involved. Um, so it's the comparison will be very hard to make. We know the maximum sentence for dangerous driving causing death is 14 years, but it's very rare that maximum sentences are doled out. Um, in Saskatchewan, the starting point for the offense when there's no alcohol involved and when there's no prior driving record is actually two years. Um, so while there will be a sentence that reflects each victim, they will likely be served concurrently um, mm -hmm. or at the same time. So, you know, lawyers will have to decide a sentencing range that appropriately reflects the facts of the case and then craft a global sentence from there that will reflect the 29 charges. So it won't necessarily be five years per person, I guess, is kind of the most easiest way to kind of break that down for people. I think some people think that that's how it will go. Do you get the sense that he may be given credit for the fact that he pleaded guilty, that the the accepting of responsibility could be reflected in sentencing, or is that something that wouldn't be taken into consideration? Guilty pleas are always reflected in sentencing. There are aggravating factors and mitigating factors. Um, aggravating factors, like I mentioned before, alcohol, um, a prior record, uh, those are always taken into account when uh, arguing whether a sentence should be higher or lower. Um, and mitigating factors also play a role in sentencing. Sparing families, the agony of a trial um, by pleading guilty is always taken into account. Now, whether that necessarily reflects an automatic two years off a sentence, no, not necessarily, but it will be presented to the judge as a um, as a factor, as a mitigating factor in this case. And, you know, a lot of people would argue it should be because uh, it has expedited the process greatly. Um, one can only imagine how long a trial like this would take. Um, but what exact, you know, numerical effect it will have on the sentence, I'm not sure. All right. Well, I imagine it'd be something that uh, we'll be watching closely from across the country to see the result of this. Bree, thanks very much for your time. Thank you. You've watched the games, you've tracked the stats, but you want the inside story of what's going on in the NHL. You definitely want the Off the Post podcast. Host Paul Chapman is joined by hockey writers across the country discussing the biggest stories in the NHL. From the hot season Alex Ovechkin is having in the state of our Canadian teams to GMs and coaches whose jobs are hanging by a thread, Paul's got you covered. This is smart hockey talk for the informed hockey fan. Get in the game with Off the Post. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts. In the wake of the Broncos tragedy, the Saskatchewan government undertook a safety review of the intersection where the crash happened. The report, which was released last month, said sight lines specifically are a safety concern at that location. It recommended negotiating with the nearby landowner to remove the trees and also suggested rumble strips, larger signs, and painting stop and stop ahead on the road. Six collisions, including one in 1997 that killed six people, occurred at that intersection between 1990 and 2017. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Technical support this episode from Matt Olson. Thanks to my guest, Bree McAdam. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.